Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Chris Evans here. Thank you for downloading this week's podcast, the best of the breakfast show from Virgin Radio with Sky. Coming up, the hilarious Ramesh Ranganathan chatting, filming the Ranganation from his garage and the announcement of his brand new book, the Oso Chatty Alan Carr discussing his brand new ITV Saturday Night Game Show. The peerless John Pienaar tells us all about the upcoming summer launch of Times Radio, plus creator of Sky's Gangs of London, Gareth Evans, extreme athlete and all-round nice guy, Ross Edgley, wildlife filmmaker Patrick Ayi, and so much more on the way. But Vassos, who's the first guest? Despite the lockdown, it fortunately remains as hard as ever to find something on the telly not starring our next guest. There's still Rob and Romish versus. There's a new series slated, a new book coming out, plus the Ranga Nation, which continues on Sunday. Please welcome a man who brings elation to the population, though he may need a vacation. It's Romish Ranganathan. All right, thank you very much indeed. Good morning, Romish. Uh, good morning, Chris. How are you? Well, I'm very well. I'm very chipper today. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm very good, thank you. Okay. Yeah, great. It's for people who don't know about the Ranga Nation. So you're, you're virtual, you're online, you're in your garage, and you're genuinely recording the show now in your garage. But I've got to tell you that whoever set that studio up has done a fantastic job. I could not believe it because obviously we had to do it social distancing, and you know some guys just dressed up like the end of ET came to the <laughs> to the garage to start doing it up and everything, and we can we couldn't go anywhere near it. And then they sent me a photo afterwards. I could not believe that was the garage. They've done an amazing job. It's great. Yeah, and you sit there, you know, under lockdown, you sit there at the beginning of your own show, and you do your weekly monologue, and you can, I can see the disbelief in your eyes that you you are actually next to the house in which you live. <laughs> no, I mean my family have such little respect for what I do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and now when I say to, I'm just popping down the end of the driveway to do my show, it really it really does feel a bit pathetic. But right, now, it's um, great, it's great. last week was hilarious. Um, you have your 20, is it 25 virtual uh, Ronga Nation citizens? Uh, yeah, between 20 and 25. Okay, 20, I think it was 25 yeah. last week, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, your mum's super starring as always. So what's this about Rob Beckett, who was also guest starring on your show last week? What is it about Rob Beckett? Has he become your mum's carer? Is he her full-time carer? Well, how does how's that work in that relationship? <laughs> Uh, well, because uh, mum is in so many of my shows, Rob thinks it's very funny to try and get closer to my mum than me. That's that's essentially his ongoing thing. So whenever we're doing a thing where it's all three of us, he's constantly like buttering her up and just going, oh, I love you, Shanty, and all this sort of stuff, just to wind me up, really. Uh, and she loves him. She actually does find him funnier than she does me, which is... Uh, and she's very honest and open about that, so, uh, so that's good to know. But what I love... Do you know what I love, Ramesh? I love the fact that you find Rob really funny as well, and you can't help it. And you can, I can tell that you don't like the fact you find him so funny. <laughs> it is, uh, it is uh, I do try my best not to give him anything at all. You know, yeah. when people talk about people being generous and, and being a good laugher and, and being gracious, I try to, my best to be the absolute opposite of that yeah. with Rob, if I can. Okay, uh, how, how, how close are you? Is he, is he in your top five best mates in real life nowadays, Rob? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, we we started doing stand up together, and um, you know, on paper, doesn't look like we should hang out at all. Uh, yeah. But um, 
but you know i got to know him through doing comedy we went through the same kind of milestones in our careers uh, at the same time and we've just become very very good friends so it's uh, it's amazing to be able to do the show with him and uh, the ranger nation itself uh, coming for us again on sunday morning now when it sorry sunday sunday evening rather quarter past nine bbc two so when that hits the air we'll be two hours 45 minutes away in the uk from being able to meet up with a couple more people than we can now uh, not only in parks but also in one of our own gardens who who might be the first family the first other household the the uh, ranganathan household meets up with well i thought we were going to meet up with my mum mm. uh, but she on the she's show with, she's because... meeting up with rob i would imagine well, I expect so, yeah. But she, she, she said that last night during lockdown, she's discovered that she really enjoys her own company and she's not that fussed about meeting up with people anymore. So I don't know if it is going to be her, which is, is, is a bit of a result for me, actually. It's, it means there's another space freed up. And what is your sense? What is your, what is your sort of, what is your inner barometer telling you about how you feel about lockdown i i know where we are and i know what res- responsibilities we all have upon us uh, you know especially where um uh, tra- tracking uh, tracking and testing and tracing is concerned i think that's all hugely important but i just feel like today's a real turning point i do as well it's it, I, i've got to be honest I, I have mixed feelings about it because you it does feel like a turning point and you think okay well this is exciting these the 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 things that we're going to be able to do but at the same time that you can't help feeling anxious about it all and you get nervous that i hope this is i hope this is all being managed properly and it's not too much too soon but at the same time you know at the beginning of the lockdown even getting to this point felt like an impossibility you know you feel so locked into that situation you think are we ever going to come out of this and now it feels like this i think you're absolutely right it's the first day it feels like we absolutely are starting to so uh, you know, fingers crossed. But it's 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 not cut and dried, is it? You feel totally comfortable. Let's throw ourselves into it. You do obviously have a little bit of trepidation that comes along with that. How long will you stay in your garage for? Uh, well, look, if it was up to my wife and children, based on the amount of time I've spent with them, that I'll be there permanently, I think. Um, I mean, my garage is normally uh, where I go to, to, to give my wife a break from me. And now because it's set up as a studio, I can't do that. <laughs> Uh, which makes things which makes things tricky for her. So right. uh, so I think after lockdown, when we're properly, I think I'm just going to spend a month in there. Okay, uh, I think that's what will happen. All right. What 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 was in there that's had to vacate its space for uh, you? You know what? It's 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 all of the stuff from like tours and um, show memorabilia and stuff like that that I just put in the garage because I didn't put it up in the house. And then when they came to recce the garage to see if they wanted to use it as a studio, it just looked like they walked into this like narcissist shrine where I just put everything to do with myself <laughs> up in that garage. They came out just going, yeah, that was, that was really revealing, Ramesh. Thanks very much. Really, really interesting insight into your psychology there. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Have you, like us, always dreamt of winning a speedboat on the telly? Well, we're in luck (laughs) because tomorrow ITV begins epic game show combining five classic shows with one glittering host. So if we play our cards right, we could strike it lucky, hit the bullseye and talk to the one and only... Alan Carr. Good morning, Alan. Oh, hello, everyone. <laughs> hello. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, so you've just been on Zoe's show. You've yes. just, just been on yes. Zoe's show on Radio 2, is that right? Yes. Okay. And, they, and I couldn't hear her properly. She was, it's like she was down a well, and all I could hear was the technicians <laughs> talking about what they were having for breakfast. <laughs> I was like, oh, and I was like, I'm here, right. I'm here. 
But you did get to do an interview with her in the end, yes? Yes, it was very mouthful. Okay. Very mouthful. Okay. What questions did she ask that, that you could just give us the answer to now to, to, to save me the bother? I couldn't hear them. I was just making <laughs> up. I, I was just nodding politely, going, yes, that's right. Yes, yes I see. <laughs> uh, Alan, um, I saw your take on Play Your Cards Right last night. So you get your celebs on, you've got your celeb couples, uh, they're playing for charity. Um, how was it filling Brucey's shoes? Oh, yeah, I could never fill his shoes. I never could. I mean, it, honestly, he's iconic and legendary. But, he, you know, he is in your DNA. He is Mr. Saturday. Well, he was Mr. Saturday Night. But I felt, and I had to rein myself in because I was going, higher than the five, higher than the five. <laughs> I started doing that shuffle with me loafers. And I was like, no, Alan. But, you know, and even when I was doing balls, I was like, super smashing great. And I was like, no, Alan, <laughs> this is wrong. But you, he's just there inside. I felt like I was um, channeling him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you There's get to... There's people to channel okay, I know, but you get to pick as well, because you've not just been gifted one golden format. How many have you got to pick from? Five. Got play your cards right, price is right, strike it lucky, mm -hmm. take your pick and bullseye. And um, I filmed them all up in Manchester last uh, last year. Yeah. I mean, I was absolutely uh, giddy. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? Of course it is. And we t we touched upon this last time you were on the show in person. Um, you know, I said, you know, how's it going to go? Is it the mo is it the one that goes down best? Will then go on to become a series in and of itself, or has that changed that position? Will they all come back? You know, as a compendium again next time around, or what? You know what it's like on telly. It's ratings, isn't it? I've got a funny feeling in the waters. It's going to be play your cards right because that is just classic. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, you know, with Bullseye, I watched it on, like, Challenge TV and it was... It, the old ones are so slow, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I know we all look back. I mean, it's like... And what, I, what about this Bullseye, the one I've just done... The, the non-dance player are still rubbish. I mean, you'd have a little, you'd have a little practice. This is primetime ITV. No, they are still rubbish. I'm like, come on, love. But I, I wonder, Alan, I wonder if lockdown has changed the way we perceive. I wonder if we'd watch Bullseye, the old Bullseye, in the last 10 weeks, it might seem all right again because life slowed down again. I mean, your ego's like, so what are you going for? Current <laughs> affairs, Jim. And then you've got 10 minutes of them finding the right... And then you watch a dark because I had this really weird experience. I went to this thing to ITV where we talked about the stuff that's coming up, and there was all these Love Island people in the audience, and I was saying, "Well, I said you throw a dart, someone goes <laughs> one, and you could win a speedboat." They were looking at me like I was a moron. Why would you do that? I'm like, listen, it's a great show. <laughs> That's what we grew up on. Yeah, and it's what your mum and dad's watch. And if your mum and dad's hadn't watched that, you might not exist, so shut up and get on with it. And uh, yes. so, yes. so you are giving away a speedboat. I love that still. Where'd you get your speedboat from? What's it like? I'm not saying they might not win a speedboat. I don't want to spoil it. You'll have to watch. All listen, right. the rate might plummet. I've got to get people still watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, listen, Al. Uh, we have got to go. Um, uh, so, uh, if you if you had to pick one, you would say play your cards right. Play your cards right would win if this was a, a sort of a, a competition to go on to a, a full series. I, but as, yeah, as, I just love it. As far as I can recall, Brucey didn't have to climb up like you know, towering ladders to get to the last 
card turnover. I mean, for people who haven't seen this, it's worth tuning in tomorrow for that alone. You need a parachute, you end up so high. Chris, I had bands of steel. Honestly, my bum was like two scotch <laughs> eggs wrapped in a napkin. Honestly, I, I look really fit from behind. To be honest, you look really well from in front. <laughs> the, the double-breasted look suits you. It always has done, by the way. Well, you're very sweet, Chris. Thank you. Well, you're very sweet too. Alan Carr, thank you very much. Alan Carr, Alan Carr's epic game show uh, starts on TV, on ITV. I've seen it. I know who wins. I know how far they get. You tune in tomorrow to find out same. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. With a career spanning 30 years and roles including chief political correspondent at the BBC, our next guest knows his way round Westminster. But with the brand new Times Radio launching this summer, he's now, now finding his way around our wireless studios. Please welcome in person the peerless John Pinar. Good morning, John. I have no idea. It's so great just to be in a studio Yeah. again. Lovely to see you, see you guys. It's lovely just to sit outside. And, and and wait to come in and listen to Jerry Rafferty and, and Baker Street. Oh, which... we, we, we all re, we're all reappreciating our jobs, aren't we? Mm. That's what we're doing. Oh, for sure. I mean, for sure. I mean, um, I mean, there was a time ages ago, just weeks ago, not very many weeks ago, when the idea of just not working seemed like a dream. Yeah. The idea of leisure time seemed like goodness me, how lovely uh-huh. wouldn't that be? Now I can't wait to stop all this leisure time. It's like being idle rich without the riches bit. Yeah. I just want to get back to work and and doing what we do, especially obviously, at a time like this. You know, this is the greatest, biggest, biggest story I've never covered yeah. in, in my life. And we're going to be on air quite soon, as you say. I'll be here at, at my new place of work, just a couple of floors <laughs> down below it's you. It's lovely, isn't it? It is. It's a lovely little spot. It's a lovely spot. There's yeah. no doubt about that. So um, if you were on, you know, today, um, if you had been on on Friday, I mean, there's so much to talk about. How, how would you have handled the Cummings thing? Well, I mean... It's been a sort of steadily breaking story, hasn't it? And, and those are always fascinating to cover and fascinating to talk about and for listeners to see them just develop over time. And this story has been changing by the hour. The, 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 the upcoming story has been changing day to day, hour, hour to hour. And then it ended up with what we saw yesterday, which was absolutely extraordinary. The scene in that rose garden at number 10 down. Have you been in that garden? I have. Yeah, I was there a number of many times. I was there when John Major did his dramatic statement and, and, other, and the, uh, there was the great coalition that you could go on. You were there it's for the barbecue? Were you there for the coalition barbecue? I wasn't there for the coalition barbecue. We don't get invited into barbecues <laughs> like that. We just have to talk about barbecues right, out, outside. Yeah. Don't even get a burger handed out to us. You know. <laughs> um, but, but yesterday was so extraordinary, wasn't it? Could you see where it was going? Because obviously, you know, you can read between the lines better, better than most when it comes to this kind of story, this kind of narrative. Yeah, well, look, where we are now is, I think, Dominic Cummings has done enough to save his political skin. He has... He's used up his credit card. He's maxed his political credit card completely out. So the next big controversy that comes along, he will be toast. But he's done enough, done enough this time. How, do you, how can you tell that? How, how, by, the, by the sense of things, by a number of, of different ways. I mean, you, you know from, I guess, for what it's worth, some experience and a little bit of judgment and a bit of guesswork, that there's a time when you can just, when the boil bursts and, you know, and it's very, very messy, or you just find a way to contain it. And yesterday, it felt like enough, and I think it has been enough this time round. I think... There are maybe quite a lot of people, maybe more than you might imagine out there, people who are ready to give this guy, cut him some slack and take the view, look, he did what a, what a father would do when trying to look after his, his family. Yeah. 
I think there'll be more people, that's my, my instinct, there'll be more people who don't take that view. Yeah. And if you go by the kind of mood I was picking up walking around my local park yesterday evening, mm. a lot of those people are going to be blind, blind annoyed, absolutely out of their mind with anger at Dominic Cummings, the way they felt there was one rule for him, one rule for all of the rest of us. And that's serious enough, but I think most serious of all of all of this is that I think he's drained away uh, some of Boris Johnson's credit card. I yeah. think he may have dented the government's health uh, regime when it comes to try and protect us against the coronavirus in future. But trust, I think, has been lost. And trust, not like popularity, when trust is gone, it's gone. I mean, I was there in 1992, Black Wednesday, the government's, the then major government, lost its economic credibility and it never got it back. I don't think this is quite as bad as that, but I think it's a serious, serious blow at the worst possible time. You so want to be on the air now, don't you? <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> How can you tell? <laughs> You're in the zone then. <laughs> By the way, everybody at Times Radio, Stig Abel, I know Stig, Stig's uh, very much uh, involved with things. He's ready to go, this this guy. Get him on the air now. Um, yeah. We'll play a record. You can have him, like, fresh out of the box. Yeah, when I'm at home, I've got a, a dummy microphone that's plugged into <laughs> nothing. I just talk to that about stuff. Of course you have. Now, um, because of what's happened with, with um, coronavirus, COVID-19, and, and lockdown and social distancing and all these things that have to ha- have happened, um, you were probably going to be on the air already now um yeah. how, how any ideas exactly it's like asking the premiership when they're going to restart do you have a date yet uh no there's going to be a date i think in the next week or so it's going to be in the in the summer so just a few weeks off and it'll be it'll be a relief to me among others to hear that date finally announced it's starting to feel real now you know we're getting the preparations ready we're getting people, a number of presenters in place you'll hear about more very very soon and a lot of the producers and editors are in place and trust me because people listening won't always get this but I know a lot of these editors from my days at the BBC. These people are so good, it's really hard not to do good radio. And I'm telling you, when we get on air, I'm absolutely confident, as far as what anyone can be, this is going to be something people are going to want to listen to. Yeah, no, well, you're loading the bases, and you have to load the bases. You have to do that. Um, look at the name, the, the names already that we can announce. Uh, the line, Asma, me and Stig Abel, breakfast show Monday through to Thursday. Luke Jones and Jenny Kleeman, breakfast show Friday to Sunday. Matt Chorley, mid-mornings, Monday to Thursday. Michael Portillo, Friday evening. He's great on the radio yeah. and most recently announced chief political commentator of the sun tom newton dunn i love tom yeah. he, he may be the most ma- handsome man in news um he's definitely i've never met him no. at all i've never even seen he works in this building but i've never even seen yeah. him because he works on a different floor but i love him on the sky news pay-per-view that's 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 not a bad starting no, lineup I mean, is it all, all of those names are i, th- I think really asma good Mia, i mean come on asma's great absolutely people people love asma Mia on and off the air tom newton dunn i've known him for for many years, he's, he, he knows his onions at Westminster. You're right; he's got the kind of looks of Alan Bastard, but he's got the he's got the the the, the, the and the knowledge to talk about politics and know what he's, he's got talking a bit about. Of Simon Templer going on there as well. <laughs> yeah, he's got a bit of Errol Flynn, my wicked, wicked ways going on there as well. Uh, John, good luck. Uh, you don't need it, but it's always helpful, isn't it? It's always useful. You do need it. Okay. Times Radio launches this summer, and John Pinar. At the microphone on drive time, it doesn't get any better. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
We've heard from three guests already, but there's still more guests to come. Gareth Evans chats the Sky Original Gangs of London. Filmmakers James Lee Hernandez and Brian David Lazarte discuss their unbelievable HBO series McMillions, available now on Sky Documentaries. Cuddly action man Ross Edgley tells us about his fascinating book, The Art of Resilience. Nature boy Patrick Ayi shares all about the incredible cast of animals he meets in Sky Nature's show Wild Animal Babies. All that coming up. Vassos, who's next? On YouTube this week, our next guest has been discussing how mongoose mate and how poo shapes relationships. Fortunately, he's on this morning to talk about his new show on Sky Nature, which may just be the cutest thing on television. Please welcome host of the adorable Wild Animal Babies, the equally adorable Patrick Ayi. Good morning, Patrick. Hey, how's it going, Chris? You're right. Very well, very well. Now, you know how to open a brand new season on a brand new show on a brand new channel. Animal Babies, (laughs) it doesn't get any cuter, does it? I know, I've just gone straight for the heartstrings. My goodness me. So first episode last night, we were treated to uh, baby elephants, baby wildebeest, baby otters, baby kangaroos and baby puffins. And a baby puffin is called a... Puffling. Puffling. There's no cuter name for a baby. A blimmin' puffling. Right. Um, So where did you go? Um, Who did you meet? Um, And what did you learn? And what can you tell us? Uh, Went all over the world. So we were travelling to um, all the continents of the world, trying to find... Um, some of the cutest animals on the planet, but also we're trying to tell the story of how they're able to survive in the wild. That's the thing that people don't really think about, how these cute animal babies, they are super cute, but their, their lives are fraught from, with danger from the very beginning. So um, one of my favourites was going to Australia. We went to, to see to this kangaroo sanctuary and meet these adorable, adorable joeys. And like seeing a, a, a mother uh, kangaroo with, a little joey in the pouch mm-hmm. is is kind of it just blows your i mean you saw the show it just blows your mind at how incredible nature is uh, and all the different strategies not only the, the the little babies take on but also the parents and you had a sneaky peek inside the pouch before the joey came out didn't you no yeah so um i was at the kangaroo sanctuary with uh brolga barnes this amazing guy who, who runs the sanctuary he's known as kangaroo dundee get that for a name and so we, we went around to check out my notes. Um, can't write this stuff, Chris. And you, yeah, so we, were, we had the, the pleasure of being able to look inside the pouch of, of this kangaroo. And it was just amazing seeing this, this, this little joey, this baby slowly developing in its mother's pouch. The cool thing about uh, female kangaroos is that they can have potentially three kids at any one time at different stages. So usually a mother will have a joey that's out of the pouch, one inside the pouch, which you saw in the show, um, and then potentially pregnant with a third. So really, really incredible mothers. We were talking earlier on on the show, Patrick, about the fact that, you know, Far be it from us to say uh, what our kids need, but we can we can say what our own kids need or, or would benefit from. We're talking about, you know, a couple of lessons on seeds, um, weekly lessons on nutrition and hydration. And I'm serious about all this, you know, and uh, more lessons outside, maybe, you know, whole afternoons outside um, every week uh, for each class. But... You know, on a Friday afternoon, you know, if you haven't got games, the best ever game for afternoon at school was, you know, games on Friday afternoon. If you could nail games on Friday afternoon, you was the weekend started early. But for yeah. the week, for, from a from a, a mindfulness point of view, for the weekend to start well, wouldn't it be great, you know, if if all schools, you know, last the last hour of lessons on a Friday, you know, we watch a, a show together like yours, Wild Animal Babies, and we used to watch on a Sunday. We used to watch, uh, let our kids watch 
Um, from the week before, one week later, one week catch up, we used to, used to let them watch Blue Planet and Planet Earth when that was doing the rounds. And it mm. set them up perfectly on a Sunday night for the week and going to bed and thinking about life and how wonderful and amazing things are and about the fact that we're part of this whole, you know, this, this whole cosmic miracle and yeah. you know just watching the the, mum, the mummy otter last night protecting her new newborn baby and and being basically its boat for the first few weeks yeah. of its life um i mean it, it, it warms the cockles it expands the mind and it fills you with joy and optimism and and it really does i just think we need to get more of these programs on in schools yeah i, I mean i remember being at school and uh teachers playing different uh, there was stuff from dr ray winston was it and um uh and yeah so i, I do think that it, it does help we should definitely play more of these kind of wildlife documentaries and science documentaries at school personally i was always interested in how things work anyway so for me being able to see some of these documentaries where they were telling you really cool scientific facts or um whether traveling to, to different exotic locations and seeing incredible different uh, um different species and animals you know, it's it's a bit of escapism, but you're learning at the same time. So I think that's probably why it sets kids up, because kids love facts. They love facts. And you're also allowing them to kind of escape to this mystical far flung land. So, yeah, you kind of it's like two birds, one stone, I, I suppose. Um, it's fact. It's, yeah, they, they I, love I, they love facts. They love stories. They love nature. They love adventure and they love excitement. And, you you know, they love a car chase in a movie. You yours get a sort of you know, animalistic <laughs> chase here. Don't you always get something like that going on? And I love the fact the whole series of Patrick's show. And you must, please, if you've got Sky, please watch this. Um, it's it's amazing. Wild Animal Babies is the name of the whole series, but the episodes are split up into single kids. So all the babies mm. last night were even cooler because they're just singletons. They they really need their mums and dads' protection. Did you know, Chris, that baby elephants have to learn how to use their trunks? When they're first born, the, their trunk just looks like a like like wiggly spaghetti. They yep. try because they're trying to learn how to use this thing, which we don't really think about. Which is, elephants are known for their trunks, but we don't think that they have to learn. They have to spend several days, weeks, months learning how to use that trunk. Really incredible. Yeah, and they got two fingers on the end of the trunk. You talk about the two fingers, and I'd never seen that before. Yeah. And they do have these fingers within the end of the trunk. So, episode one, single kids. Episode two, brothers and sisters. Episode three is outnumbered. Well done, Patrick. You're amazing. You can come on the show anytime you damn well like. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Really right. appreciate it. No problem. Wild Animal Baby, Sunday 31st of May, 8pm, Sky Nature. All episodes will be available on demand. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. This, people, is the breakfast show that moves seamlessly from the cutest thing on telly to the most brutal. From the adorable wild animal babies on Sky Nature to the ferocious, fantastic gangs of London, Sky's most talked about, most binge-watched series of the year. And we basically have our next guest to thank for it. Please welcome writer, creator and director, Gareth Evans. OK, he's got it all going on as far as Gangs of London is concerned. Good morning, Gareth. Good morning. How are we? I'm very well. Congratulations, first of all. 2.23 million viewers in um, just seven days. Wow, that's not bad, is it? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> a bit surprising, to be honest. But yeah, yeah, it's been quite overwhelming experience, to be honest. Okay, and loads of people watching the finale, but of course now you can watch Gangs of London available on demand if you're late to the Gangs of London party. Uh, where did it come from in you and your co-creator, Matt Mines? Uh, so basically, um, I was living out in Indonesia at the time, and I, I had an initial concept for a TV show, which would have been about the, you know, an episode starting with the funeral of a mob boss and the power vacuum that comes from that. 
And um, the guys at Pulse Films had the rights to an old PSP game called Gangs of London. And uh, I think initially they wanted to do a film franchise with it. Um, but when they pitched it to me, uh, I was more interested in the fact that London's so diverse as a city that uh, we pitched it back to them as long-form narrative as a TV show because we felt like it had all the breadth and scope to, to be fleshed out over 10 hours instead of like one film. And so but, that was the initial starting point then. Okay, screenplay versus choreography. Um, what percentages are we talking there? Because, there's so, you know, the, the fight scenes are more like sort of elaborate dance routines, aren't they? Yeah, 100%. I mean, like, you know, I would never, ever sort of try to script out a fight sequence in its minute detail because it's impossible to read in that respect. So, um, you know, a huge part of that is down to, like, the, the stunt team then. So, like, Jude Poyer and his guys, um, I'll just kind of give them a brief sort of overline, uh, an outline, sorry, of what the fight scene should contain, the environment, the psychology of the characters. And then they go off because they have all the sort of experience of learning how to do all the things that they can do to the human body. Um, and they'll go off and design that then and then present it to me and we kind of riff on that and start shaping it together then. So our show can be more different, you know, from a short form um, uh, product compared to yours. Uh, obviously, obviously, movies are even longer than, than what you've done. But I mean, you, you are so in a different place now. So how is it dipping your toe back into the Gangs of London water and talking about it? Because you're very cool about it, but that's the way it is in, in, in film and, and drama, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's a weird one because it's like the, the the weirdest experience of doing a show like this was that it you know for for us it took three years of my life you know I mean we spent like a long time sort of doing research and developing the concept, getting people on board to want to make the show in the first place, and then you know it was best part of almost two years then of production and and post production getting out to release. So the fact that it's out there now and everyone can watch the entire show and some people have been within the space of a day is is wild. So yeah, it's been a huge experience for us all how much easier does it make your task as far as making producing writing uh, finding the finance for season two maybe three um now that season one is a massive smash hit <laughs> i think the conversations are still ongoing no i think way! it's like, <laughs> no no, no I, think it, I think it's all kind of positive i think it's more one of those things whereby we're all sort of taking stock of what the immediate reaction is also it's like it's only been released so far in the UK. You know, we're waiting for it to hit globally. Um, I know some people are watching it globally, but, you know, it hasn't officially gone out globally yet. Um, but, yeah, so hopefully when it does, we'll start to see, you know, uh, more responses coming from across the front then. All right. I mean, it is very brutal. How brutal did it need to be and how brutal um, did it get to be on screen compared to how much you thought it might be when you were writing and, first of all, sort of uh, blocking it out? I think it, it all kind of... Um, it matched what we what we had planned for it. And we we do pretty extensive planning ahead of time. We shoot like a, a very rough, sort of rudimentary version of the action, you know, with just stunt guys in cardboard boxes in a in a sort of gymnasium room first. So when it comes to the networks, like with Sky and you know the, the producers, we show them what they're getting beforehand, so they have to okay that before we go off and actually you know shoot the final product. Then in terms of the level of of violence, it's one of those things, I guess. We all have our own little personal moral barometers for yep. what we deem okay and not okay. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of follow whatever my own personal barometer is on that. Hopefully few people follow along with that. Yeah, you have quite a high threshold, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to say the least. All right. Uh, listen, well done, Gareth. Good luck with uh, season two and season three, and good luck with this brand new movie you're working on at the moment. Can you tell us anything about that in 30 seconds, or are you not allowed to? Yeah, it's called Havoc, and it's going to be set over Christmas time, and it's a fun, wild, wacky sort of thriller action film. 
All right, pal. Uh, good luck. Thanks so much for talking to us. Uh, that is Gareth Evans talking about his show, Gangs of London, which is an absolute smash and available on demand now on Sky. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. For over a decade, we all hoped a happy meal could mean a very happy meal with a million-dollar prize. But the McDonald's Monopoly game was hijacked by a mysterious crime ring. Digging deep into the mind-blowing story in a six-part docu-series, McMillions, available today to watch on the brand-new Sky Channel Sky documentaries. It's directors James Lee Hernandez and Brian David Lazate. Good morning, gentlemen. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Uh, good I don't, morning. Good morning. I don't know who's who because I can't see you, but I'll talk to James first. James, um, please, uh, if you don't mind... Pitch the first episode to us as if you were trying to sell us the show as an idea for us to put our money into. <laughs> well, it's almost like I've done this before. But uh, <laughs> um, so the, the story starts off with, uh, with an, the FBI getting an anonymous tip. And that anonymous tip is that there is uh, a few individuals that have rigged the McDonald's Monopoly game and uh, they're all related somehow, and that all leads back to a mysterious ca- uh, character named Uncle Jerry. And so the FBI, uh, led by this very charismatic rookie agent, has to look into this crime and, uh, and figure out what's happening. So you have your, David, it's Brian, you have your rookie agent, and now he's partners uh, with, with an old wise owl um, who doesn't want to be part of the documentary. However, his presence is palpable uh, just because he was around at the time. That is correct, yes. Rick uh, Dent was one of the uh, senior agent who uh, definitely uh, took him under his wing, and uh, you, you do feel his presence, but yeah, Doug Dent steal the show uh, for episode one, that's for sure. Uh, and James, um, you know, when you describe it, you know, they get they get a tip off, right? So there's this scam. Everybody knows about this competition because it's all over the TV. It's all over the radio. It's all over the newspapers and magazines. It was a big thing back in the day. You can win a million dollars if you eat a McDonald's and you do this and you play this bingo game. And somebody says, yeah, but somebody's scamming it. And you think, well, A, that's no, nobody could scam McDonald's out of a million dollars. And B, if they are, it'd be so obvious and so easy to discover how they were doing it. How come it, what, that wasn't the case? Well, because the way the scam worked, people were actually winning. It wasn't like money was disappearing and nobody knew where it was going. It, uh, it looked like it was completely legitimate. And one of the people that claimed it fraudulently, you actually see in episode one, and his story sounds totally legitimate. And McDonald's just thought, hey, the game's working in the way it's supposed to work. So the first winner in the first episode, a fascinating character. He's so believable, you know, and you, you have all the original footage. You have all the original investigation. And this guy, he's sitting at home. He's, he's, he can't believe it. I can't believe it. You know, and I, ch- I checked everything. And then they said, you won. And I made the phone call. And they said, yeah, you've won a million dollars. And then the FBI investigated. So what did you do next? And then he perfectly recalls exactly what he did. He went here. He went there. How come he had such a complete backstory? Uh, not sure exactly how he uh, concocted that uh, that backstory, um, but you know he you know it, it was riveting television. You know the first time that we watched it, it was definitely that mind blowing experience of like, oh my gosh, you know how you know how does this even exist? You know and what crazy 
idea for the FBI to go undercover to pretend to be a, a film crew to do this, you know, <laughs> fake commercial uh, with the winners and, you know, and get on camera. And then does, of course, like goes rogue, you know, or at least it, it seems that he's improvising, you know, being out uh, undercover and taking them on field trips to get more from the guy. And it, it, it really did make for a, a really moment. Yeah, in our uh, first episode. Yeah, Brian, I forgot because I watched the first episode last week. I forgot uh, that your FBI guy, who is in this a lot and he's brilliant, I forgot he goes undercover as a TV producer. Which is how come you've got all the footage? And he went to to didn't he hang out with the TV producer to to do a little bit of sort of um, role research, role play research? What he did was he yeah. worked directly with McDonald's and recruited a marketing person from McDonald's. So they had a legitimate person who does this all the time. And he's asking her like, well, what do I do? What do I wear? And, and she basically said that, uh, you know, a, a producer director just looks like they walked off of a golf course. So he wore what he would normally wear golfing. That was about as much research as he did. And it has to be said, he sort of suits the TV producer role more than the FBI role in the end. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. Uh, so I've seen episode one. There are five yeah. more to five more to come. Can you give us a bit of a hook, line, and tease as to where the story might go and how you might get to various stages of it? Oh gosh, I mean, you know, it's uh, it, it just keeps you keep going deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. You know, episode two flips the point of view. We start to hear from some of the winners, uh, some of their crazy stories. We we get to see that the, the mob uh, is you know tied to this. Um, Dan, do you want to give them a piece of what's happening at, at the end of the whole series? Well, you, you see it from both sides, uh, and then worlds start to collide as the FBI starts to figure out what's happening, and there is a, there's, there are some very big things that we reveal at the end that we, we were, Brian and I were very surprised to learn as we went through this. I mean, we designed the series to look like the way that Brian and I learned the information and as well as the FBI learned the, in all this information back at the time. So really excited for, for everyone to be able to see it. And there are some, there are some shopping, shocking characters along the way. OK, lovely. Great, great, great tease. That love it. That's James Lee Hernandez and Brian David Lazart uh, from California, live there on the line. McMillions is on the brand-new Sky Documentaries. All six episodes will be available on demand from 12 p.m. today. That's 12 midday today? I suppose it is, isn't it? The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He ran a marathon pulling a car. He climbed a rope repeatedly until he reached the height of Everest. He was the first swimmer to circumnavigate Great Britain. And apparently it was all down to being resilient. Here to teach us the art of resilience through his new book. It's the ridiculously ripped Ross Edgley. Good morning, Ross. <laughs> Hello, Ross. Morning, guys. What an introduction. Wow. Well, well, listen, you deserve it, Ross, because you you are the man. You are the person who put oh. us on to and actually introduced us to Wim Hof. So thank you once again for that. <laughs> I did. That was a nice visit. That was a, that was a nice way to spend the morning, wasn't it? All of us hanging out, talking about ice baths. It was a good morning. So just for people who, who don't know who Wim Hof is, could you just fill him in, please? Yes. So, so Wim basically uh, is, is challenging a, a lot of conventional thought, thought and, and modern medicine about how we can control our immune system and holds multiple records for freezing himself in ice-cold water. 
Um, that is the best summary I can give without going into a lot more detail. Ross, of all the stuff you've done, I mentioned a few of them there, running a marathon, pulling a car, climbing that rope again and again and again. Uh, you've also lived with warrior monks in Japan and had a, a shamanic pain ritual with fire ants in the Amazon jungle. Of all of that stuff, what's the stuff that's changed you most for the better? Yeah, I think actually probably the swim, just because of the duration of the entire thing. I mean, 157 days, uh, but we worked out. I spent over two months just left alone with my own thoughts, uh, staring at the bottom of the seabed because we were swimming for obviously 12 hours a day. So I think when you're left alone with your own thoughts for that amount of time, just basically being stung by jellyfish repeatedly to the face, you, you find out a lot about yourself because you're you're forced to look inward. And I think in many ways, that's kind of what a lot of people are facing now. It, it's strange to draw a parallel between the swim and, and, and what a lot of people are experiencing. And, and I think it was that, yeah, probably the swim. And, and Resilience, the, the, this new book that you've got coming. Actually, I've known about your book, Ross, for ages because we shared an editor, Ed, the editor uh, at HarperCollins. And, yeah. and every time I met him, he told me how brilliant your book was coming along, which was a, 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 a little bit, not to say very annoying. Yeah, but he actually. said the same to Ross about your book. Of course he did. <laughs> I wanted him to tell me how brilliant I was. But anyway, <laughs> Ross, he your... He did. <laughs> <laughs> your book is brilliant. You must be very pleased with it because it's very now, isn't it? It is, yeah. I think the best thing about the, the book, because it was two years ago since the Great British Swim, and I think the nice thing was, is whilst a lot of people are, are so incredibly kind and, and saying that, you know, I was really strong or resilient and, and all the rest of it, I think what's nice about the book is we reverse engineer and deconstruct the entire swim to show that there's nothing special about me. And actually, a lot of the strategies available in the book that we teach um, it teaches that we've all got this innate power inside all of us. I say that resilience is the strategic management of suffering. And throughout the entire book, we show how that is actually the case. And that's what's been the nicest thing that I hope people read it and just say, oh, OK, I understand that, you know, I can actually do my own version of the Great British Swim. I can, you know, go and run an, an ultra marathon, which Vassos, you'll understand, you know, run the London Marathon in the, the hottest uh, summer we've ever had, Chris. You know, you guys understand it and hopefully... Other people will too. This is that great book, and I reread it um, this weekend after watching the first two hours of The Last Dance, which is called um, the, oh. Men, the Men on Magic Carpets by Ed Hawkins. And he talks about us all having superpowers. We really do have... I mean, to be alive, to be born anyway, I mean, that's, that's, that's truly magical. But he says we all have inner superpowers. And, you know, in America, they've taken this to a different level, especially in sports, because, you know, billions of dollars are at stake. And they find people's superpowers and they bring them on. Can you sort of... Can you uh, communicate with that thought? I love that, Chris. Yes, exactly that. I, I think one thing that, that we talk about within the book, and, and it sounds a little bit morbid, but on the swim, I was actually researching a lot of coping strategies that uh, prisoners of war would use to cope with just this sheer sensory deprivation and, and isolation. And, and there was one, Admiral Stockdale, who um, read Stoicism. He was a big advocate of Stoicism, which is an ancient Greek philosophy to teach you to keep in check of your emotions in adverse conditions. And what Stockdale did, he survived seven years in this prisoner of war camp in Vietnam uh, in the most horrific conditions you can imagine. And they coined this phrase, the Stockdale paradox, because his coping mechanism was basically this. It was to make sure that you never lose sight of hope. You can never lose sight of hope. And on the GB swim, I knew that if I kept putting one arm in front of the other, I would come all the way around Great Britain. So never lose sight of hope. But exactly the same time, you have to face up to the current reality. 
And it was this kind of dual thought process that I used throughout the entire swim that when I was being stung by jellyfish, my tongue was falling off from salt water exposure. That was my current reality, and I had to face up to that. <laughs> but equally, at the same time, never lose sight of hope. You know, if you keep putting one arm in front of the other, you will come to Margate. And, and I think that superpower we all have, we're all able to tap into. And that's a big theme within the book. Great stuff, Ross. Hopefully we can meet up and, uh, and, and catch up over a run or a cup of coffee or, or something a bit stronger soon. <laughs> 100%. I'd love that, Vassos. Thank you, mate. Ross Edgley, The Art of Resilience. It's very good. My editor says so. <laughs> it's published on Thursday. It, so there must be a copy in the building then. Well, I mean, I've, I've known all about it ever since, you know, he started writing it. Of course you have. Yeah, well, talking about the rest of us, not you, Vathos. Well done, Ross. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Up next, we're speaking to Secretary of State for Health and Social Care, Matt Hancock. Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm very How well. How are you? The floor drove problem. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, you see, you were halfway there with your Newcastle shirt in your office, um, which was hung yeah. up uh, over your left shoulder, and you very, very kindly put up for auction for Scrubs Glorious Scrubs. And it went for loads and loads of money. It went to Steve Pretifer uh, for £1,850. Yeah. But there was a part three to the story, wasn't there? There was a conclusion to yeah. that particular story. He's kindly given it back to me. <laughs> so I'm thrilled. So uh, I've, I've still got my shirt and uh, Charity's got almost two grand. So it worked out well for everybody. All Thank right. you very much, Steve. What's the most important thing you can tell us today, please? Well, I'm, I'm on today because we've brought in a new system, which is called NHS Test and Trace. And this is all part of trying to contain coronavirus and trying to deal with coronavirus by, by saying that if you get symptoms then you need to get a test. And if you test positive, we're going to get in contact with you, ask you who you've been close to, and then get in contact with them and ask them to isolate. So if you get a call from NHS Test and Trace and are asked to isolate, then please do so for up to 14 days. And we know this is a big ask, but by this targeted approach, we think it'll be far better than the blanket lockdown that we've had uh, and we'll be able to release some of those measures and keep people safe. Right, now, I didn't get this last night. I get it completely now. It's taken me 12 hours to get it because it's just suddenly clicked like my dad taking the stabilisers off my bike. And, you know, it, yeah. it was one, literally yeah. one of those moments. I, oh, I get it now. Uh, we talked yeah. to a listener who was in Australia at quarter to seven this morning who's originally from Woking and just called the show just, just to say hello because she can't come and see her family in May like she'd planned to. And then I just got onto a conversation with her about how Australia is doing the three or four weeks ahead of us and this whole COVID-19 experience and she was talking about track and trace and it's out there and I said you know um, Australian citizens it's your choice you can volunteer to download this she said, well most people just have because we just want to be part of the solution as opposed to adding to the problem yeah well that's right so the vast majority of people in the trials that we've done do exactly what they're instructed to ask to by the NHS and of course you would right because it's like when, when a doctor calls and says you need to isolate in this case it's for everybody's health, the public health, rather than for yours. But if a doctor asks you to isolate at home, that's what you do. And so I've got, uh, I've got a lot of confidence that this will uh, work and people will do what they're asked. But it's just really important because it's such a big change. And if you think about it, we brought in all those lockdown measures in March. Yeah. A big change for people's lives. And then we've been slowly able to lift some of them. But this is the first big new lockdown-type measure but it's an individual lockdown, not a national lockdown. 
based on the risk you've got of having of having the virus. Okay, and so psychologically, um, Matt, can you can you because you know there there every now and again we get some good news. You know, there's lots of great things happening with yeah. great people, and and that, that's amazing. And so many discoveries have been made about how closer we are now uh, than we ever thought we were, and we perhaps were always we just didn't realise it. And that's all good. Picnics are back, and that's fantastic. And conversations yeah. are back, and people have more time for each other. And we should give each other more space on the pavements anyway. That just feels better anyhow. Maybe not two meters in the future, but you know, the more space you get physically the more space you feel psychologically you feel more relaxed you feel that you can respond as opposed to reacting you can feel like you have the choice not to re react or respond at all and you walk on by certain worries and situations that otherwise might uh, cause uh, flashpoints um do you ha do you have a is there a psychological policy um you know uh, in a number 10 where there is good news that you might that might be coming sooner but you sort of like my mom and dad they used to say well we think you you know you've asked for a bike but we're not quite sure whether we we can we can make it up to a bike mm. this christmas but oh they all they knew all along that actually I was going to get a bike are there yeah. are there because it feels to me like you're saying things might not be attainable but but probably will yeah. be you just don't really want to yeah. tell us yet because you don't want to ruin our christmas we're just trying to be as absolutely straight as uh, as uh, and answer the questions as best we possibly can um and so you know that uh, my view has slightly shifted on on holidays for instance and i'm quite open about that um i, I am a little bit more optimistic than i was um we're cautious for instance on the being a vaccine because the science is uncertain but that doesn't mean that i don't hope and plan and work for it to happen. Um, and I, but I think there's a broader point, which I know you've touched on on the show a few times, which is that I hope we learn something about ourselves and as a society as well, you know, from this. It's been a terrible experience in, in many ways and, and obviously catastrophic for some people. But I hope that through the lockdown we learn uh, how to live better um, how to maybe have a bit more uh, respect for um, for each other, look after ourselves a bit. Um, and I, I just hope that we can also learn positive things uh, from uh, from this extraordinary experience, uh, as well as, of course, of trying to get back to the things that make life worth living. All right, Matt, um, if you... Uh... I don't know if you have a crystal ball. I bet you wish you had a crystal ball. Um, but, yeah. if, if, but if you did have a crystal ball, what do you think you might be on to talk to about us in a week or a couple of weeks' time? What's, what's going to be the next step as far as you're concerned? That you, what's the next big slice of information you hope to be um, imparting via this show and shows like this show? Yeah, well, this afternoon we've got a meeting to discuss whether we can go to the next stage uh, and uh, whether the five tests have been met and whether there's any more of the restrictions that we can lift. Uh, we obviously wanted to get the test and trace program in place first uh, because that gives us more assurance. Uh, and uh, so that's, the, that's what I'll be looking at for uh, the rest of today. All right. Have a great day. Godspeed. Thank you very much indeed. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.